0: Good evening. Happy Tuesday. This is Talking Sports with Evan. And it is the Green Bay Packers are moving on to the divisional round, going back to California to take on the 49ers as they defeated the Dallas Cowboys 48 to 32 on Sunday down in Lambeau South. And yes, I'm calling it Lambeau South because Green Bay. Since AT&T Stadium was open, the Packers have yet to lose an AT&T Stadium, including winning Super Bowl 45 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And boy, was it a fun game to watch and cheer on the Packers. And I'll admit, I was wrong. Just like a lot of the people making predictions, I was wrong. I figured the Cowboys would lose, uh, win um, and the Packers would lose a, a close game. That would come down to probably a late score by the Cowboys. But the Packers came out from the opening kickoff and just set the tone. And the first three plays of the game had me a little nervous. You had a run for eh, maybe a yard or two, run for no gain, and then you had an incomplete pass, which the Packers ended up getting a first down thanks to a penalty Thanks to a penalty, they get the first down. And then after that, it's like they just settled down and they're able to just completely annihilate the Dallas Cowboys in their house. So Packers took the ball first. Like I said, the first play, they got no gain. Second play, sorry, love was, uh, uh, the second play, uh, Second and ten, there was illegal contact, and then, like I said, after that, it kind of took over from there. Third play was a loss of a yard gain, and then just, the offense opened up. and Romeo Dobbs had an incredible game for Green Bay. He had over a hundred yards receiving, including a touchdown uh, on a pass from Jordan Love. That was just an incredible throw. Like i I don't understand how Jordan Love got the football where he did on that touchdown pass. I really don't. He, he, he thread the needle, got it in between a couple of defenders and Romeo Dobbs with the catch and the score. And Jordan love has just been completely phenomenal for the Packers since uh, pretty much since right after the Minnesota Viking game, he has been completely phenomenal as a thrower of the football. And he showed that more in this game against the Cowboys. And he ended up 16 to 21 for 272 and three touchdowns. And his first touchdown pass to Wicks was a third and longer situation. And he dropped way back and off his back foot was able to get the ball into the end zone to Wicks to put the pack hit the Packers on the board once again. His touchdown pass to Musgrave, I could have ran that in with how wide open Musgrave was. That, the two issues, the two, the two concerns I had with the throw to Musgrave is, is he going to drop it? Because that ball hunk seemed to hang up there forever, just hanging in the air forever, and he ends up with it. And my other concern, which has kind of been a, a joke with Musgrave, is, is he going to, is he going to get uh, fall down? Is he going to be able to turn upfield and run or is he going to fall down? And that's kind of been Musgrave's MO a little bit that when he starts running, he seems to be like a newborn giraffe learning how to walk for the first time. That's kind of what he looks like sometimes. Then he was able to get that score. Then the, the late pass to Romeo Dobbs in the fourth quarter on fourth and two and mixed in all that was Aaron Jones. 21 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns, long of 27. And you can add to Aaron Jones a catch for 13 yards. that helps set up a score. And you want to talk about uh, the, the Packers owning the Cowboys. Aaron Jones owns the Cowboys now. He In AT&T Stadium alone, Aaron Jones has 59 carries for 350 yards eight touchdowns career at AT AT&T stadium. He just seems to kick it into extra gear. He's from El Paso, not uh, so he's from the state of Texas. He grew up a Cowboy fan. His dad was a big Cowboy fan and he just seems to kick into another gear when he plays in his home state. And he definitely did on Sunday scoring the first two touchdowns for the Packers, uh, short runs up the middle to get the get the score One excuse me off to the right, the other one slightly off to the left. And then you know he had his third. And the Packers just dominated up front. The offensive line, they they control the game. The Cowboys, they had a season high forty-four point seven percent pressure rate in the NFL, the highest pressure rate. They led the NFL in pressure rate. Micah Parsons is a, he could completely disrupt the game. He's a game wrecker, the way the way Micah Parsons can play. He had one pressure on 19 rushes. Zach Tom did not allow pressure at all in nine matchups against Micah Parsons. And Love had pressure on just four of 21 Drop back and those game plays that he had pressure, he was four for four, 114 yards any touchdown and they blitzed him 10 times and he was hit just three times. And for that you gotta tip your hat to Walker, to Jen- Jenkins, to Myers, to Runyon, to Tom, to Musgrave, to Kraft, to Degara, to Sims. you gotta tip your hat to all of them. Allowing love time to find uh, plays down the field, and although Christian Watson only had one catch on one target, he set everybody else up in the game. Romeo Dobbs had six catches for one fifty two and that and a touchdown and a couple of the big catch and big catches that he had. one was a big play on third down, the other one was a big catch and run. Christian Watson had two or three guys with him. on those plays, leaving Dobbs wide open in the middle of the field, allowing him to make a play. The Packers' offense looked like a well-oiled machine. They took the ball first, which they've been doing more frequently when they get the opportunity, basically since the hot streak has uh, started. And up until final play, final series of the game for Love, An incomplete pass to Tucker Craft. Love had a perfect quarterback rating, and his QBR was a 99.3, one of the highest QBRs that's been recorded. So kudos to the Packers' offense, who just completely took control of the game from the opening kickoff and just dominated. And any time the Packers' offense needed an answer because the Cowboys scored, Cowboys scored a field goal out of the locker room to make it 27 to 10. Uh, looks like the, the the game might be starting to turn. The Packers score quite easily. They ended up with 14 points in the third, and then the late touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, which put them up 48 to 16. And the Cowboys had two late scores. And you look at the score. If you just look at the score, you don't think that the game was as dominant as it actually was by just, if you look at the box score, you think it was a game between two evenly matched teams. And in reality, the Packers dominated the Packers completely dominated this game and take the score out of there. Cause 16 points was pretty much in garbage time. The Packers, they uh just, Control the game defensively, it looks bad giving up 32 points. Romo had five oh, four, 403 yards passing, Cowboys 500 yards offense. CD Lamb 110 yards receiving on nine receptions, 17 targets to CD Lamb, though. The Packers got in CD Lamb's head, in my opinion, fairly quickly in this game. They They were physical with him. They kept throwing different guys at him. Uh, uh, Valentine did a great job containing C.D. Lamb. And there was numerous times you could see Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb chirping back and forth at one another. Prescott unhappy with something C.D. Lamb did. Maybe a bad route. Maybe not running a route as hard as he should have. Whatever it was... You just constantly saw that chirping back and forth. And the Cowboys looked uncomfortable for pretty much this entire game. They looked extremely uncomfortable. And they just couldn't sustain really anything at all. Keyshawn Nixon had a huge sack on third down. Cowboys are just at the fringe of field goal range, probably within field goal range, if it's a, if if Dak Prescott is smart and just throws the ball away. Instead, he tried to beat... Uh, Nixon to the corner, and Nixon got a sack and put them, I think it would have been like a 59-yard field goal, then they took a delay of game and punted. Nixon had a great game. I think Quay Walker had a strong game, Uh, Valentine, Alexander, McDuffie, Savage especially. Savage gets that pick six, and not saying it was, but you look back to the 2010 season, and... Atlanta's driving late in that game to try to put a score in before halftime. And I think they got the ball out of the locker room, kind of a la the Cowboys. It's a 20 to nothing game at that point. And if the Cowboys can score there, they can make a 20 to seven. And then out of locker room, make it 20 to 14. And boom, now we're in a whole new ball game. And Savage baited Prescott. He... He baited Prescott to go after CD Lamb and he just jumped right in front of it and ran it in for the score to put him up 27 to nothing at that point. The Cowboys were were to score right before halftime on a play that shouldn't have happened. There was a false start on the left guard that the Cowboys got away with, but either way. But if again, if the Cowboys is able to drive and score a touchdown on that particular play, who really knows what happens there? It could have been a whole new whole new ball game. So Alexander had interception after the Packers had to punt the ball away to make it a, it was a seven, nothing game at the time. The Packers just punted away and Alexander with the interception. So Packers defense gave up 500 yards, but they did come to play. But there is one thing that we are not taking into account when we're recapping this game. There's just one thing about this game that we're not taking into account and I do have a guest. I'm going to give him a chance to get his camera set up. I see him uh, getting it all ready to go. The Wadhex. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring now in uh, Don Wadowitz, my broadcast partner with the Racine Raiders, uh, Mark, um, MATC uh, basketball Marquette grad. Don, thank you for jumping in and uh, talking some Packers-Cowboys with me.
1: Hey, thanks, Evan. Sorry I'm a little bit late, but uh, I've been struggling for about the last 15 minutes and have, wasn't able to get this to go on my laptop, so we're we're on the phone as the backup here.
0: Yeah, I have a guest who I have on on occasion, Tristan Thomas. He was on last week, and he always seems to have technology issues when he comes on, too. He keeps blaming him. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a hacks
1: I'm glad that you're blaming yourself. That is That is a very appropriate thing, as you know. And, uh, and so I appreciate that you've uh, taken that and you're going to own it because I was going to push it on you anyhow.
0: Yeah. I'm going to push it on me. So I wanted to kind of bring you on because the, uh, WOD tell me about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of funny. Um, you know, start of the NFL season. I don't even know how many weeks in, I'm kind of looking at all the teams that, uh, that are, or a lot of the teams that are just really kind of sucking, including, including a couple that we expected to do decent. Right. And then I'm sitting there going, man, you know, I've been to Cincinnati this year. I've been to the DC metro area, been to Baltimore, been to Phoenix, been, you know, been to all these places and all these teams are just doing terrible. So I'm like, wow, there must, there must be some WOD Hex. You know, the Bears were doing, were doing terrible, which was we we're happy about. Yeah. And, uh, and so I sat there and I'm like, man, you know, wherever I've gone and actually spent time, these teams are all really struggling. There, there might be some sort of, uh, I might have some sort of Hex, you know, there might be some sort of hashtag wad Hex. And so I'm on one of my travels and I land for a layover at Dallas Fort Worth airport and I'm walking to my gate and I don't know why they would do this, but they have a Wisconsin flight leaving from just outside the Dallas Cowboys uh, team store that they have at the Dallas Fort Worth airport. And I see this and I'm sitting there going, man, with, all the bad luck these teams have had with cities I visited, here's a great opportunity. So I created, as you saw, a short little, you know, like what, 20, 30 second video uh, talking about, you know, I'm somewhere special and uh, with how the Watt Hex has been going, I'm really looking forward to this next Hex. And I, I kind of uh, tilt up and you see the, the logo behind me for the for the store. Well, What the next two practices, the Cowboys end up having injuries, which you never wish upon anybody, right? So I talk about the Wad Hacks, then the next two practices, they have injuries. Then they go to Phoenix to play the Cardinals, a team that they should have wiped the floor with, and lo and behold, they lose. So now I really start because, you know, one of my favorite things is taunting Dallas fans and so I sit there and uh, and I really start letting go with it on, on social media and, and offering to remove the hex if they if they Venmo me because their fan base are are the most gullible in, in football, if not all of sports that buy into the Americas team marketing ploy. And nobody actually paid, unfortunately. So apparently I'm I'm not a very good marketer, uh, very sucky because of how much they buy into all this stuff. But I keep doing the Wad hex, and at certain points in time, and and it seems to be working. And um, lo and behold, we get to the Green Bay Dallas game on on uh, on Sunday, and and I said, you know, no more, no Venmo, no win. You you had your chance to Venmo me. Now that's done, and now it's going to be a Packer victory because you allowed the Wad hex to live on. And what do we have? We have an embarrassment in Jerry world with the Packers just completely during any facet of the game that mattered, annihilating the the Cowboys. And it was just really glorious. And, and, you know, I will take credit as I tend to do in these situations in sports and, and say that, yeah, hashtag Wad Hex that visited Dallas Fort Worth, it all paid off.
0: Yeah, and you, you mentioned something. You look at the final score and if you only look at the final score, you're going to think, oh, kind of competitive game. And No, if you break it down, you actually watch the game, break it down by quarter. As you said, the Packers dominated pretty much every second that actually mattered in the game. Maybe the floor took the starters out just a little bit too soon, had to put them back in on offense to really ice the game. But Packers just in control and why do you have you on? Just want to get your thoughts on Jordan Love and this young Packer offense that just can't seem to get rattled. The Cowboys are a team that lead, led the NFL in pressure rate this year, and they pressured Love, I believe it was four times, and they blitzed him ten times. They only pressured him like three or four times, and he was four for four when they did pressure him.
1: Well, yeah, they're they're a young team, right? And and you know, a lot of people took a stance one way or another on Jordan love. And I kind of sat there and was like, well, we'll see, you know, we, he he needs to, we need to see how he plays in, in real time and, and he's young and see how he develops over the course of the season. But also you had to see how this team was going to develop the Packers for a long time have been blessed with a really great offensive line. And you have a pretty young offensive line now with the exception of Jenkins. And you talked about limiting those pressures. And, and one of the things that I saw was Zach Tom, uh, you know, didn't allow uh, a pressure in the game. And that is, that's huge coming, coming from his role and his position and, and where he is in his career trajectory. And then just, you know, I think, I think Love has talked about it. Pundits have talked about it. But you saw Dak Prescott on the, on the pick six, right? there was a conversation between him and CD lamb right before that throw. You just knew the ball was going there. Packers just read it. They knew that the ball was going there. Step in front, boom, you got to pick six. You don't have that right now with, with love, all these young guys out there, they're just trying to get touches and trying to prove themselves and trying to prove that they, that they belong in the NFL. And and so Love really can just go back there and, and coordinate things and run that offense. And then you have the veteran leadership, you know, Aaron Jones in the backfield on, on the offensive side of things. He's a great guy to have back there is that veteran leadership, that kind of calming influence. And, and he's relatively fresh considering that he's had a, the number of injuries that he's had this year. And he's kind of almost like, it's almost like you you made a trade for somebody. I mean, he's been on the roster all season, right? But it's almost like you got somebody in the last month of the season that is just a game changer. And that's really, I think, helping Love as well. Because as long as he can get that yardage, that's going to keep teams from being able to kind of get some of the pressure on Love that they want to get on them. And you don't know what receiver to cover. You can't focus in on one guy. Who are you going to put your best corner on? to, to shut down, you know, you don't, you don't have that guy with the, with the Packers and it seems every game, one of those young receivers, somebody new in that receiving core steps up and, and that's just something that has been really effective for the Packers this, this season or the second half of this season. And, and hopefully that continues. I don't like the matchup with San Francisco. That's why I'm really enjoying this, this last victory. Um, You know, I kind of, like the matchup against Dallas I, I, I think I told you all week I was calling for 38-31. I thought the Packers were going to pull that game out yeah this week you know I'm, I'm thinking it's it's probably unless unless the Packers defense can can get some turnovers we're probably looking at at you know the bonus of this season ending in, in a 31 20 31 24 something like that victory for for San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk more about the San Francisco game later in the week, Just, but it is a matchup like you I don't like. Unfortunately, the Packers really didn't have a choice as a seventh seed, but I, if they play like they did against Dallas, I think they're young enough to not know any better. I think it's possible that I could see them pulling out the game. The, uh, for, they were 2-5 and five at one point, and they looked extremely unprepared every week. The offense was kind of in the sl- in, in sludge, it seemed like receivers running bad routes. They're on top of each other, drop passes, love throwing interceptions. And then it, all of a sudden something just clicked and the, the he's been playing lights out and the offense has been playing lights out. And I kind of point to, I think guys like Wicks and Reed figured it out because it seemed like as soon as those two really started to step up, it's really when the offense really started to, to take off. Is that kind of where you see the turning point of the season Too just those rookie receivers, just figuring something out?
1: Yeah. You know, it takes a while to get on the same page, right. And, and to understand everybody's going to understand the speed of the game, catch up to the speed of the game at different points in time. And, and so I think you've seen that kind of ebb and flow throughout the course of the season where again, different guys have, have stepped up, you know, as of late Melton's been, been huge and coming just off the practice squad so just guys learn guys guys pick up on things at a different rate and for the Packers they're all starting to kind of come together and having picked up on it over the last you know four or five six weeks and and I think you're seeing the the fruits there um you know the the offense really kind of struggled to put up points you look I know the defense and, and Barry gets a gets a lot of, there's a lot of disdain towards towards Barry, right? But if you look at how many games the Packers defense held teams to 21 points or less, I think it's somewhere around eight or nine games this season that they held teams to 21 points or less, and they maybe won half of those games. And that was on the offense while they are trying to get things together early on. So you're talking about a team that really, you know, could have, had a couple more wins coming into coming into this postseason but everybody I well most people saw them as young a youngest team in the playoffs ever right youngest team that's remaining by a good year year and a half over anybody else in the playoffs and all that just takes time to come together time to learn a new offense time to learn a new defense for these rookies that are coming in and and it's all going to click at a different at a different rate for everybody. So, it's great to see it now. One of the great things about the NFL is you look past in time, you have a lot of six seeds, five seeds that have won the Super Bowl because they just started to click, they got hot at the right time, they got healthy at the right time and those are two things that you are seeing with the with the Green Bay Packers and it comes down to turnovers, I think, on, on Saturday night. If if they don't turn the ball over, they have a chance in the game against San Francisco. If they if they all of a sudden start to turn the ball over, that, that game's gonna be gonna be done pretty early.
0: Yeah, I want to kind of get to the Cowboys here. It so ninety-five was the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Barry Switzer, the coach, but in reality it was Jimmy Johnson's team. They won back-to-back with Jimmy Johnson. He leaves on bad turns with Jerry Jones, and Barry Switzer got them one. And since then, it's like the Cowboys every year are just trying to to chase that championship, and they always seem to – something always seems to go wrong that takes them out of it. The Dez dropped it game. Uh, you could just go on and on about situations where the Cowboys just can't seem to – find that right combination i think it's a lot with jerry jones and his impulsive moves that he does sometimes with his coaching staff not giving uh talent a chance to breathe and develop what are your thoughts with the the cowboys and why they just can't seem to find their footing since 95
1: culture i i I mean you talk about it being jerry and and i agree that it's about jerry but it's about the culture that he instills in that organization culture starts at the top there's a culture of fear in that organization because of some of the things that you just said and when there's a culture of fear it's hard to perform at your best and when the stakes get raised and you're in a culture of fear it that's what's at the forefront of your mind it's not about let's get to the super Bowl let's win the super Bowl it's like what if we do end up kind of uh, you know laying an egg and and losing here what's going to happen or what if we don't play well what is that what is that going to look like in the in the next week or in the off season and those sorts of things and so it all comes down to the the culture that Jerry Jones has set and you want to set a winning culture but i think there's different ways to set a winning culture and he set a winning culture based on fear you don't perform, you're gone in many ways. And that plays in people's minds. You're you're maybe not fully thinking about what's in front of you. You're thinking about the what-ifs. And so I think that has a lot to do with it, with this Dallas Cowboys team.
0: I think you can point to another team in this playoffs. We talk about culture. Uh, the NFC North champions, finally for the first time in 30 years, to me, it always seemed like they were trying to chase uh, somebody else's culture. They've tried it the Patriots way, they tried it this way, that way, and it's like they finally realized we have to build something ourselves. And I'm, I'm kind of, I was kind of, kind of stealing this from listening to the radio on the way back from work on Sunday. They were talking about the the Lions didn't really have their own culture. They wanted to be somebody else, but now they are their own and. It's paying dividends in year three of Campbell. Here they are in the divisional round. Get to host the playoff game at home for the, I think, the first time ever in back-to-back weeks.
1: Yeah, you know that's a great example with the Lions uh, and and what Campbell has developed there. Um, you know they they just they could never just quite find it. Um, you know I think Wayne Fonts was was kind of the closest that they came to what a lion's culture might be. You need to find the right mix. Culture isn't easy. I mean, me and you, we've been, we've been around, you know, semi pro football for a while and, and seen people come and go and seeing the different cultures that come and go with them. Even while the organization has a culture, the coach matters as well. You know, um, they've started the Detroit versus the world. I I don't know that, you know, if that motivates them, that's, that's wonderful. I see pluses and minuses to that sort of mentality because it still leaves to me that you're thinking about the things that are outside of your control and what might happen, what referee call might, you know, spoil a game, might cost you a game, those sorts of things with that mentality. But, they need something there. And, and if that's a starting point, that's great. Uh, The fans have rallied around that. And so, you know, you got to give them props for that, but yeah, uh, that's something that Detroit just really hasn't had when you think about teams and you think about, you know, the organizations that are there, the lions are just kind of an organization that, that, you know, it was rudderless in the water for, for so many years. And, now they they have somebody that has a vision that has a passion and unlike in dallas they're letting they're stepping aside the ownership and is stepping aside and they're letting him just run with it and it's paying dividends for them um you know we'll see with uh we'll see if they ever run into a bump in the road what what that looks like and are they going to be quick to make a change at some point in time, if something ever goes awry. But for now, they've got things rolling. Campbell looks like he was a great fit. They found a great hire. They found somebody passionate and somebody that can really, uh, that's really been able to work a positive culture into that organization.
0: And that's what I believe it's seven teams because all the Patriots fill their job. Seven teams have to make that decision. the Titans, got rid of a culture guy in Vrabel, which was quite surprising to me. I know the past couple of years haven't gone the way they wanted to, but to me, that's kind of a, not a smart move, getting rid of him. And my big expression has been the past couple of years is bad teams stay bad for a reason. And it's usually because they botched the importance of hiring a head coach. The Raiders did it when they brought uh, Josh McDaniels in, when they had a guy that players loved and, who's now in Green Bay. Now there's Antonio Pierce, who the players seem to love. But is Davis going to make that right decision? Jacksonville hired Urban Meyer. So I think there's seven teams that now have to realize that they need to get this head coaching job right or they're going to stay, continue to stay bad. And look at the Packers, their culture. I know there's new president, new general manager, new coach, but everything they do pretty much stems from – Bob Harlan and Ron Wolf on they were going, you know, other than the Ray Rhodes here, we're going to stay patient and we're going to let guys develop and we're not going to rush the judgment on people. And it's been a bad thing at times because maybe guys have stuck around one or two years too long, Dom Capers. But I think culture, you nail it right on the head is the teams that are successful for very long periods of time they have it built in, and they don't tend to deviate from it, even when they make new hires. Yeah,
1: you know, they have a mission, they have a vision for the organization, and you look at not just Green Bay but Pittsburgh. They're they're another good example of a, of a team that doesn't, you know that that has that patience. San Francisco, another team, I think that over time has had a whole lot of patience and and ingenuity. So you look at those types of programs that are that are consistently towards the top um new england you know that was that was a special case um you know uh i so it'll be interesting to see where they go the the kind of post brady new england is kind of the pre-brady new england so um that's a that's a special case there it'll be interesting to see what what happens with the with the patriots over the next five to ten years but Pittsburgh, Green Bay, San Francisco—those are all programs that are perpetually winning. And when you look at it, they're they're patient. They're not quick to change coaches. They understand the gravity of the decisions as far as coaches, head coaches, and as far as general managers. And they really weigh that against what their organization is is about. And they make the hire that's appropriate. And sometimes you're going to have duds, uh, but you know, for the most part all three of those organizations have remained pretty close to the top and have had a whole lot of success during, you know, the past 30 years plus.
0: If yeah, the Packers have truly hit on Jordan Love. And I, I say that the for Jordan Love, it's going to become a matter of how does he adjust to the adjustments. Like teams are going to make adjustments on how to attack him, how does he adjust there. I think the Packers are a very good, good and interesting case study because it's been three separate quarterbacks, three different head coaches and three different general managers since Ron Wolf took over as general manager in the early 90s till now and they've they've hit on you know one potential franchise quarterback wolf hit on one uh, Thompson hit on one and now it's looking good for goody right now I think a case study needs to be done if love does continue to, be the love that we've seen in the past what six, seven, eight, nine weeks whatever that time frame's been.
1: Yeah, you know, time will tell. But yeah.
0: it, it's it's
1: you know it it is interesting. Um, it, it's kind of high risk, high reward because you don't know what you have until the guy gets out there and really gets an opportunity. Sometimes, right? You see him in practice, but I mean, Craig Nall was a tremendous practice player. It didn't it didn't correlate onto the field in game action. So you really don't fully know what you have until you get them out there. So now you've spent three, four years developing a guy to be your next person. You've had that patience, but if that doesn't pan out at some point in time, well, where are you at? Now you're scrambling in some ways, just like many other teams are to kind of find that guy. Thankfully, you know, as a Packers fan for the Packers, it's worked out twice. And and the third time is is showing promise here as well.
0: Well, I want to say thank you for uh, coming on and spending a little bit of time. Uh, we'll talk a little bit off air when we get off. But I just want to say thank you for, for coming on and letting us know about the WEX Hex. And is there any way you can uh, get out to San Francisco between now and Saturday? <laughs> uh, you know
1: you people can venmo me and i'll 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 book a flight. I don't know how how expensive those are. You know the other thing is I don't really have a hatred for San Francisco, so I don't know if that would correlate well to a to a hex i I might just be going through the motions a little bit there.
0: Well, did you have a kind of hard to hate so did you have um, a hatred for Cincinnati though when he went to Cincinnati?
1: <laughs> I, that that's true. That but I didn't go with the intent of a hex, you know. So
0: I, so that, know. There, there's a little difference there,
1: right? So I'm I used to be much more superstitious than I am now. I still have some of those superstitions, but uh, um, you know the I'm the wad hex can can live on. I'm I'm going to take all the credit for the win for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. And uh, for those watching, listening, I'll be back Thursday to preview Packers San Francisco and give my prediction on that game. Have a great rest of your night. I'll be back at you on Thursday.